Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. So I'm excited to be with you tonight. If you can turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 4 and Revelations chapter 3. This message came to me kind of out of an ongoing conversation between me and God as we wrestled through the end of last year and I looked ahead to the new year and I knew I wanted to see God do more in this next year. I saw him do some incredible things and there were some wins, there were some losses and I really just wanted to take time to really reflect on what the year had been. And as we're dialoguing back and forth and I'm journaling and really trying to, you know, God, I want, I want to see you move in 2017. I want to grow. I want to watch you do what only you can do. I don't, I'm tired of doing things in my own strength and just really, really asking him for wisdom and as I went into the new year. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe 2016 was not the year that you wanted it to be. Or maybe it was and you just want to see more of God in your life. And maybe some of you are like, forget my year. I just want to see God move today in my marriage or in my finances or in my job. But I think we can all understand this feeling of really wanting to see God move in our lives and asking him and, and really inviting him to move and wanting to see what he will do. And the thing that I felt like as I was wrestling with this with the Lord is that he really wants to move in my life. Like he wants to move in my year. He wants to move in this church. He wants to move in the situations that I'm facing And I began to see, well, if he wants to move, and I want him to move, how do we bring that together to really see God move in my life? And Lamentations 3.25 says this, Good is Jehovah to those waiting for him, to the soul that seeks him. This idea that we're inviting God into our lives and and to move into our lives. And when we see that, that word Jehovah, really it's literally translated, I am the one who is. To Moses, he said, I am that I am. I am. Whatever you need me to be, whatever I need to be to you, I am. And so we think about the situations that we face in our lives, whether it's pain in our marriages, relationships, finances, whatever it is, he is. He's the God who's looking to move in our lives. And we want him to move. So God, what's the holdup? Why are we not seeing the greatest outpouring of God's power in our lives? If he wants to move, We want him to move. And I believe that as I asked those questions, he began to turn my eyes and open my eyes to see some ways that we can really invite him to move in our lives and invite him to move into our situations and actually see that come about. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this time. I ask you to speak into it, to speak life, God. Open our hearts, open our eyes. We want to see more of you this year and in our situations. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All the way back there, say amen. amen. Thank- <laughs> um, so the title of the message today is Making Space for God. And let's look in 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to be looking into Elisha, the prophet. And Elijah, his mentor, has gone on to heaven. And we have Elisha here, and he's just starting off his, real, his ministry in miracles. And we see him do kind of a string of things, one right after another. And if you look in this area, and, and I encourage you to do that as you go home, you'll see almost every miracle kind of has to do with this idea of making space for God to move. So let's look in chapter 4, verse 1. 
One day, the, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. At that time, there was a Levitical law that said if you had a debt that you couldn't pay, you could go into slavery and pay off your debt. So here's this woman. Her, kid, her sons are about to be sold into slavery because of the debt her husband left. And Elisha says, what can I do to help you? Tell me what you have in the house. She says, nothing at all except a flask of oil. I've sold my jewelry to the pawn shop. I've listed all my furniture on Craigslist. All I've got left is this one flask of oil. And he says, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons. Shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing the jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim, and she says, bring me another jar. Her son said, there aren't any more, and then the oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So we have this woman who is in a bad situation. Not only has she just lost her husband, not only is she in debt and has bills that she doesn't know how she's going to support her family now that she's a widow, but the creditors are literally in her house. Like you think getting a collection letter is bad? The loan shark is standing there ready to take her sons. And then she cries out to the man of God. So she cries out, and you get this picture of this anguished cry. And I, I think it's kind of funny to note that that's when she invites God in to move into her situation. And not funny because I'm mocking her, funny because I am her. And I don't know if you've been that way too, but we have situations in our lives, things that come up, and we think we're just managing them. We've got them. Like, I got this. I got this problem right here. And I'm managing it. It seems to be under control. I'm just, you know, I'll just do this and I'll do that. I'll sell, I'll do this and I can make this happen. And then we get to that point where we realize, in fact, that we do not have it under control, right? We've all been there where suddenly that urgency comes and we invite God to come in and move. And I wonder why. Why does it take those urgent situations for us to come and invite God in? Why don't we live with that sense of urgency? And, and I really believe that it comes from lack of purpose in our lives. If we are living our lives with an awareness that there is a great purpose of which we are not able to do on our own, we will walk with that sense of urgency. You look at Moses. When God called him to do something, he felt ill-equipped and totally overwhelmed by What did he say? He said, I'm not going, God, unless you go with me. Like, I need you in this space. And he led with an awareness. And you look at Jesus. He walked. He's the son of God. But yet he, he knew his purpose was so great that he had to be connected to the Father and say what he said. And I believe that if we'll live with that kind of purpose in our lives, there's no um, complacency. We won't try to manage it on our own. We'll know every single day, God, I cannot go through this day unless you're breathing your life into it. And so I believe that he's calling us today to take a look and what has he called us to do? What purpose has he called us to accomplish? And invite him in and make space for him to move in our lives. And really, when she comes to Elisha and she cries out to him, he begins to share with her ways that she can see God move. And he starts to challenge her to prepare. And that's really what I believe God's calling us to do is to prepare. 
The first point today is make space in our lives. If we want to see God move in our lives, if we want to see him move in those situations that seem so desperate and we know we cannot fix them on our own because they've gotten to the point that we can't handle it anymore, we know. We have to make space for him to move. So make space in our lives. Bring vessels. What does that mean? 2 Kings 4.3, he said to her, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Not too few. So what does she do? She goes out and she gathers as many as she can. But he's telling her to prepare because God's about to do something. And I think as Christians, we often underestimate how spiritual preparation is. And all of my husband and the type A personalities are like, amen, the rest of us over here, disorganized closets and all. But preparation is a spiritual thing. When we look in the Old Testament at the temple and the way that it was set up and the steps that they had to take to experience God's presence, there was practical preparation that they made for God to move. And when Jesus died and the temple and the veil was torn in two, and now we are the living temple of God, it's silly for us to think that there's no preparation that needs to be made for God to to experience God in our lives, to experience his presence. But preparation, it's not just for organized people. So Elisha's telling her a few key things. He's saying, you're going to need to make space because God's going to move. And it's practical space in this situation. I need you to gather vessels. And don't just gather a few because... He's going to do something big. Notice in verse 6, he sa- it says, Soon every container was full to the brim. She says, bring me another jar. And they said, there aren't any more. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. So that leads me to believe that if she had more jars, what would have happened? They would have kept being filled, right? We can limit God, his ability to move in our lives by limiting our preparation. How many vessels are we going to give him? If we just give him this one, that's all he can fill. If we just bring a couple, that's all he can fill. If we just bring our marriage and our finances, we got the tithing, this is great. We can just give him these things, but we're going to keep these ones over here. But I believe there's three practical ways we can gather vessels and prepare for God to move in our lives, and I want to share them with you. The first one is making space, and by space, I mean literal space in our lives. Looking at our homes This year, we spent some time kind of reorganizing our home. We live in like a great room floor plan. The awesome thing about a great room floor plan is everyone's always together. And the terrible thing about a great room floor plan is everyone is always together. (laughs) And so we needed to kind of create a space where if I wanted to go read my Bible and everyone's in the house, you know, I had space to go. And so part of that included putting up a wall in one of these open area things. And as we built the wall, I just got so excited about this space where I could come and read my Bible or pray or even just be with God, worship alone in a space dedicated. And um, sure, my kids play games in it and we use it for a lot of things, but I knew that that's where I was going to meet with God. And so as the walls began to go up, I took time to write scriptures on the wood and, and, and really put some prayer requests on, on the back of the drywall and, and really just kind of lay out my heart. God, I want this space to be yours. I want this space to be yours. And there might be people playing Skylanders for through half the day, but when I come in, I want you to have space here to speak and to move. And so I really think it sounds so silly, but so practical in our homes. Is there a place where God can move? Does that mean if you have a one-bedroom apartment, you're limited, God can only move this? No, but just 
Is he honored in our homes? Is there a space for him? Are we so consumeristic and so cluttered that there's no place to really sit and breathe and spend time with him? But creating literal space is one way that we can prepare to see God move in our lives. And the second one is making space in our schedule. And this is where your toes might just get a little bit stepped on. I'm sorry in advance. But our time is our most precious commodity. We can get more money. We can never get more time. If I were to look in your checkbook register, if you don't know what that is, that's fine. If I were to open up your Chase account online and really take, you know, an inventory of where you invested your money, how many times you visited Starbucks, how many times you spent money here or did there, I would get a pretty clear picture of what really what's valuable in your life, right? You might not like what you see, but I, I would get a picture of where you invested your time. And I think the very same thing happens when we take out our calendar and take a hard look at how we're spending our most valuable commodity, our time. And if you don't know what a calendar is, that's a really good place to start. Really, seriously. Where am I, God, where, are, where do you fit into this? Am I scheduling things so tightly and is there no margin for me to even breathe? Am I just going from one thing to another and this event and that event and fear of missing out here and, and saying yes to that and over committing to the point that I have crowded you out of my schedule? Make time for him to speak. The more vessels we give him, the more he can fill. And I know that that seems challenging because sometimes we want to do these things and there are good things in our lives that we have. But I believe that this year there may be some things that are good that we have to say no to in order to give God space to move in our lives. Time, our most valuable commodity. And the third practical thing is silence. This is a big one for me. But I, I really noticed in my prayer time that I would spend a lot of time just talking to God, asking him for things praying for things, and I got this picture of just, like, him waiting to, like, get a word in edgewise. You've talked to that person, right, where you're just like, oh, okay, they're not gonna, oh, oh, I thought you were done. There was a small pause, but no, I get this picture that I am just, like, talking and talking and talking, and he is waiting to speak, but I never give him that opportunity. If we want to see God move in our lives, in our situations, in our circumstances, we have to give him space to speak, and that often means silence. Silence is where nothing's happening. No screens, no phone call, no texting, no apps, just time where God can speak. Job experienced this, and, and you look at the life of Job, and he's going through the worst time of his life, and his friends come, and everything's been taken from him, and he is destitute. And his friends come, they sit for a couple days in shock, and then for 35 chapters of Job, they just start talking start talking about why they think it happens. I should have never been born. He tells all these things and her friend's like, no, this is why it happened. I think this. And they just talk back and forth and back and forth. And I don't think God can get a word in edgewise. And finally, in chapter 38, God comes out of the whirlwind and interrupts their conversation and like, okay, I cannot even handle it anymore. You people are just babbling on. And he interrupts and he starts to speak. And instead of answering the questions of why, he begins to remind them of who he is, remind them of his power, remind them of what he's able to do. And at the end of, of the Lord speaking, the Bible says that Job literally put his hand over his mouth and said, I am an idiot. I, sh I am just talking. I've already said too much. I have nothing more to say. Because we spend so much time 
without giving him silence to speak. And we pray and we ask. And Jesus told us that he'd give us the Holy Spirit, who's the great counselor who knows all things and will lead us into all truth. But do we ever give him room to speak into our lives? He knows all things. I believe that includes every problem you and I are facing. All things. And he will lead us into all truth. All. So that problem that seems like you have no idea what to do now, you've tried everything you can do, he has the answer to that one. The person that you're so fed up and you don't know how, you try this, that doesn't work. You've tried that, that doesn't work. He knows all things. And I believe that if we'll give him space to speak this year in our lives, silence, times where our mouths are actually silent, he'll speak. And in that way, we can prepare for God to move in our lives. We can limit God through our preparation. It's possible for us to limit his ability to move by limiting the space we give him. So he starts to tell her to prepare. And so she practically prepares. And then I want you to take a look back at that verse that we started off in and and realize that he says, bring vessels, not too few, but then he also says, Make sure they're empty, empty vessels. The second way that we can make space for God to move is to make sure our vessels are empty. And you're thinking, that is pretty obvious. Like, if I want to fill something, it has to be empty. But is it that obvious? I think sometimes we come to God and we give him ourselves, lay ourselves before him. God, you can have my life. But in reality, our hearts are so full that he has nowhere to go. And I want to just clarify for a moment. When we accept Christ in our lives, our spirits are completely recreated. He dwells with us. We have the Spirit of God living in us. He never leaves. He never forsakes us. But our heart is that neutral place where our spirit and our soul come together. And really, if we're not careful, we can fill that up with the debris and the pain and the hurt and the things of life to where he can't even move. Are there areas in our heart that we need to empty so God can fill them? He tells her to bring vessels and make sure they're empty. So what, do we fill our, what, what are we so filled up with? Number one, I think, is fear. Fear can limit God, can limit his ability to move in our lives. In Numbers chapters 13 and 14, we see when Moses sent the spies into the promised land, and they're checking it out, getting ready to take it. They've been through the wilderness, and 12 spies go in. And when they come back, 10 of them are like, oh, it's great. It's filled with milk and honey, all those things that you promised. But there's one small problem. There's giants. And they were petrified. They were petrified. And they said, you know what? We might as well. We just need to go back to Egypt, back to slavery, because there is no way we are taking that land. And then Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies, step in and they're like, what? No, no, we can take this. We can do this. The land is exactly as you said. We, have, we can take this land. Same land, same God, same power. But guess what? Ten of those men never got to see the promised land. They never got to go in. Entire generation didn't get to go in because fear limited God in their lives. It limited his ability to move, and they never got to see what God had planned for them. The other two got to see the promised land. 
do you see that fear in our hearts can limit God? And if we're to give him full access, we have to go in and remove those things that might be blocking his ability to move in our lives. The second thing after fear is unbelief. We don't just believe that he can do it. We question his character. I'm not sure, God, if you, I mean, I know you can do it. I've seen you do it. But can you move in my situation? I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. In Mark 6, 5, Jesus was there and doing miracles, and he comes into a town, and, he, and it says this. It says, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Jesus couldn't do anything because of unbelief. We have the ability to limit God if our jar is filled with fear, with unbelief, with disobedience, with unforgiveness. We bring this vessel to God, but yet it's so crammed in with all this stuff. Yeah, he can find a crack and a crevice, but if we really want to see God move, like really move, like move to the point that we walk in a confidence we've never walked in, and our marriage reaches a level that it, we didn't even think was possible, and our kids are serving God in a way that just blows our mind. If we want to see that kind of movement, I think we're going to have to empty out those jars. And the amazing thing is when we bring him, and we prepared, and we give him the space to move, God fills it every time. It doesn't always look exactly like we thought it would. I'm sure that woman, when she cried out to God, didn't imagine that he would be doing it through oil and that he would be filling jars and she'd have to sell it, but that doesn't matter. That's not our problem. He comes in and he fills every space that we give him. What would our lives look like if we gave him full access this year to our hearts? What would your situation, the one that you're walking through right now, look like if you poured out the fear, poured out the unbelief, and opened up yourself to see what God can do? I'll tell you what it would look like. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says this, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience, not just hear about, not just think about when you come to church, not just read about, but experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What would our lives look like if we gave him full access? We would experience the fullness of all that he has for us. He wants us to make preparation for him to move. And when we do that, he can move in our lives. And I haven't even told you the very best part. Many years ago when Brad and I first planted a church here in Scottsdale, we sent out cards, and we really wanted God to send the right people, and it was amazing, the people that he sent. And this woman came to our very first service, and the moment I met her, I knew that she was just a broken individual. You could just see it all over her face. And she, week after week would go by, and she'd kind of share us a little, little bit more of her story every time. And she started to tell us uh, that she had been in so much pain and all these hurts had gone in that she literally had shut herself into her home for three years. And part of the ways that she dealt with the pain was kind of just 
filling up her home with stuff. She had so much fear. She was afraid of um, identity theft. So she, she didn't throw away a single piece of mail, not a flyer, not an, in it, for three years. Can you imagine the amount of mail that piled up in that house? And, and, and everything, she just kind of wanted to hold on to it all. And it was just her way of walking through all this pain and anxiety. And then she, she would buy things and she, would, she wouldn't use them. She didn't need them. But she just kept buying things. And, and it felt like the more that she had, the, just, the safer she was. And, and her home began to fill up with all this stuff. And she started telling me about it. And I kind of got a glimpse of it, but I don't think I fully understood where she was at. And she kept saying, I'm going to try to go through it. I really need to start. I mean, God's moving in my life. I, I really need to start, you know, organizing, getting things. And, and time would go by. And, and she said, now I can't even go into my bedroom anymore. And I thought, that mean like you can't go into she said I'm sleeping on a chair in my living room and and I just didn't understand what she was facing at that time and one week she came to us and she said I, I have to I'm so overwhelmed I have to move I have to move the landlords you know changing things up I have to move this week and I don't even know how I'm going to do it and so I said well we'll come help we'll come help and so I gathered a group of people and I remember when we knocked on her door I, I don't think I was prepared for what I saw. Her home was so full. She couldn't open her door this much, couldn't open all the way. And the shame and the pain in her eyes as she was about to invite us into her mess was so great. I hadn't seen anything like that before. It was she was inviting us into her literal mess. And we came in, brought all the tools needed to clean and pack and do the work that needed to be done, and that day we did it. We packed her up, sorted, threw trash away, and, and by the end of a very long day, she was moved into a new space, and the look of relief on her face that she had room to breathe for the first time in a long time. She was so grateful for that fresh start, and, and I think sometimes we don't realize that when God asks us to prepare for him to move in our lives, he doesn't just send us off to do the work, to clear out the debris, to clean up the mess. Do you know that he shows up on the doorstep with work gloves on and says, I'm here, let's do this. Let's make some space because I wanna move in your life. And we have to do some cleaning. We have to make some space. We're gonna have to get rid of some things but I'm here to help. And he's a really good cleaner. Revelations 3, 20. Jesus is talking and he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Do you realize that this passage is actually talking to Christians? So often we hear it when we're hearing about people in the world, he's coming, no, he's talking to a church. He's talking to the church at Laodicea, a church that were his followers, but what had happened is they had just let so much stuff into their lives, consumerism, and they had busied themselves, and they really had just forgotten him. And I think sometimes we find ourselves there. The mess is so great and we give God the vessel of our finances or we give God the vessel of our marriage, but the one of addiction or the one of shame or the one that we just, it's just too messy. We don't let him come to that space. 
and we think I should have it together by now. I should have it together. I've been a Christian. I know the truth. I know these things, but I, I should have it together. And so we don't invite him into that space. We just keep managing it and managing it in our own strength. And today I believe that he's saying to us, I'm here. I am knocking on the literal door of your heart and saying, let me in. I can clean up far better than you can. I can get rid of fear far better than you can in your life. I can handle your doubts. I'm not scared of your questions. It doesn't matter to me that you question me sometimes. I know I can handle it. I'm an expert cleaner. And I believe that today he wants to come in to the situations of our lives and to really a brand new year in our life. And he wants to fill that space with himself, with his love, with his purpose, with his presence. And all we have to do is answer the door. We're gonna take just a moment to actually make some silence. I know that that's uncomfortable for us and I know um, we talked about it. We don't do it often enough. But I want us to hear. And maybe that's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for you and, and, and you're new. I just want you to close your eyes. I want everyone in here to close their eyes. And we're going to take a moment to really just listen. Quietly ask God, quiet our hearts. What does he want from you today? What space does he want to occupy what vessel is he asking you to bring him? And let's just give him a moment to speak to that. Father God, we want to see you move in our lives. We want to walk out the purpose that you have for us, for our families. And Lord, today we want to bring you the vessels that you can move in, that you can fill with your love, your presence, your healing power. You are Jehovah God. You are whatever we need you to be, God. And I just ask right now that in every heart in this space, God, every inch that they give you, you'll fill. That you'll fill every space we give you this year, Lord. Every place that we invite you into, God, I just thank you that you'll fill with your peace, with your love, with your purpose with your confidence. God, I just ask right now that you do a work in our hearts, in our lives, in our circumstances that only you can do. We've seen what we can do, God, but we invite you to do what only you can do in our lives this year. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.